Continuing in, A Treatise on the Fear of God by John Bunyan, page 41, column 2. Privilege number four. Dost thou fear the Lord? His eye is always over thee for good, to keep thee from all evil. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Psalm 33, verses 18 and 19. His eye is upon them, that is, to watch over them for good. He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. His eyes are upon them, and he will keep them as a shepherd doth his sheep, that is, from those wolves that seek to devour them, and to swallow them up in death. His eyes are upon them, for they are the object of his delight, the rarities of the world in whom, saith he, is all my delight. His eyes upon them, as I said before, to teach and instruct them. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Psalm 32, verse 8, Second Chronicles 7, verses 15 and 16. The eye of the Lord, therefore, is upon them. Not to take advantage of them, to destroy them for their sins, but to guide, to help, and deliver them from death from that death that would feed upon their souls, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Take death here for death spiritual and death eternal, and the famine here, not for that that is for want of bread and water, but for that which comes on many for want of the word of the Lord. Revelation 20, verse 14, Amos 8, verses 11 and 12. And then the sense is this, the man that feareth the Lord shall neither die spiritually nor eternally. For God will keep him with his eye from all those things that would in such a manner kill him. Again, there should be a famine, or again, should there be a famine of the word? Should there want both the word and them that preach it in the place that thou dost dwell? Yet bread shall be given thee, and thy water shall be sure. Thou shalt not die of the famine, because thou fearest God. I say, that man shall not, behold, he shall not, because he feareth God. And this, the next head, doth yet more fully manifest. Privilege number five. Dost thou fear God? Fear him for this advantage more and more. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear them. Fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord, that fear him, shall not want any good thing. Reader's note, want is meaning lack. Psalm, 39, or Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10. Not anything that God sees good for them shall those men want that fear the Lord. If health will do them good, if sickness will do them good, if riches will do them good, if poverty will do them good, if life will do them good, if death will do them good, then they shall not want them. Neither shall any of these come nigh them, if they will not do them good. The lions, the wicked people of the world that fear not God, are not made sharers in this great privilege. All things fall out to them contrary, because they fear not God. In the midst of their sufficiency, they are in want of that good that God puts into the worst things that the man that feareth God doth meet with in the world. Privilege number six. 
Does thou fear God? He hath given charge to the armies of heaven to look after, and take charge of, to camp about, and to deliver thee. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Psalm 34, verse 7. This also is a privilege entailed to them that in all generations fear the Lord. The angels, the heavenly creatures, have it in commission to take the charge of them that fear the Lord. One of them is able to slay of men in one night 185,000. These are they that camped about Elisha like horses of fire and chariots of fire when the enemy came to destroy him. They also helped Hezekiah against the band of the enemy because he feared God. 2 Kings 6 verse 17, Isaiah 37 verse 36, Jeremiah 26 verse 19. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them, that is, lest the enemy should set upon them on any side. But let him come where he will, behind or before, on this side or that. The angel of the Lord is there to defend them. The angel, it may be spoken in the singular number, perhaps, to show that every one that feareth God hath his angel to attend on him and serve him. When the church, in the Acts, was told that Peter stood at the door and knocked, at first they counted the messenger mad, but when she did constantly affirm it, they said, It is his angel, Acts 12, verses 13 through 15. So Christ saith of the children that came unto him, Their angels behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Their angels, that is, those of them that feared God, had each of them his angel, who had a charge from God, to keep them in their way. We little think of this, yet this is the privilege of them that fear the Lord. Yea, if need be, they shall all come down to help them and to deliver them, rather than, contrary to the mind of their God, they should by any be abused. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Hebrews 1 verse 14. Question. But how do they deliver them? For so says the text, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Answer. The way that they take to deliver them that fear the Lord is sometimes by smiting of their enemies with blindness, that they may not find them, and so they serve the enemies of Lot. Genesis 19, verses 10 and 11. Sometimes by smiting of them with deadly fear, and so they serve those that laid siege against Samaria. 2 Kings 7, verse 6 and sometimes by smiting of them even with death itself, and thus they served Herod, after he had attempted to kill the apostle James, and so sought to vex certain others of the church, Acts 12. These angels that are servants to them that fear the Lord are them that will, if God doth bid them, revenge the quarrel of his servants upon the stoutest monarch on earth. This, therefore, is a glorious privilege of the men that fear the Lord. Alas, they are, some of them, so mean that they are counted not worth taking notice of by the high ones of the world, but their betters do respect them. The angels of God count not themselves too good to attend on them, and camp about them to deliver them. This, then, is the man that hath his angel to wait upon him, even he that feareth God. Privilege number seven. Dost thou fear the Lord? Salvation is nigh unto thee. 
Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Psalm 85 verse 9. This is another privilege for them that fear the Lord. I told you before that the angel of the Lord did encamp about them, but now he saith, his salvation is also nigh them. The which, although it doth not altogether exclude the conduct of angels, but include them, yet it looketh further. Surely his salvation, his saving pardoning grace, is nigh them that fear him, that is, to save them out of the hand of their spiritual enemies. The devil and sin and death do always wait even to devour them that fear the Lord, but to deliver them from these his salvation doth attend them. So then, if Satan tempts, here is their salvation nigh. If sin, by breaking forth, beguiles them, here is God's salvation nigh them. Yea, if death itself shall suddenly seize upon them, why, here is their God's salvation nigh them. I have seen that great men's little children must go no whither without their nurses be at hand. If they go abroad, their nurses must go with them. If they go to meals, their nurses must go with them. If they go to bed, their nurses must go with them. Yea, and if they fall asleep, their nurses must stand by them. O oh, my brethren, those little ones that fear the Lord, they are the children of the highest. Therefore, they shall not walk alone, be at their spiritual meats alone, go to their sick beds, or to their graves alone. The salvation of their God is nigh them, to deliver them from the evil. This is then the glory that dwells in the land of them that fear the Lord. Privilege number eight. Dost thou fear the Lord? Hearken yet again. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. Psalm 103, verse 17. This still confirms what was last asserted, that is, that his salvation is nigh unto them. His salvation, that is, pardoning mercy, that is nigh them. But mind it, there he says, it is nigh them, but here it is upon them. His mercy is upon them, it covereth them all over, it encompasseth them about as with a shield. Therefore they are said, in another place, to be clothed with salvation and covered with the robe of righteousness. The mercy of the Lord is upon them, that is, as I said, to shelter and defend them. The mercy, the pardoning, preserving mercy, the mercy of the Lord is upon them. Who is he then that can condemn them? Romans, verse, or Romans 8. But there yet is more behind. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them. It was designed for them before the world was, and shall be upon them when the world itself is ended. From everlasting to everlasting is it on them that fear him. This, from everlasting to everlasting, is that by which, in another place, the eternity of God himself is declared. From everlasting to everlasting thou art God. Psalm 90 verse 2. The meaning, then, may be this, that so long as God hath his being, so long shall the man that feareth him find mercy at his hand. According to that of Moses, 
The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. Child of God, thou that fearest God, here is mercy nigh thee. Mercy enough, everlasting mercy upon thee. This is long-lived mercy. It will live longer than your sin. It will live longer than temptation. It will live longer than your sorrows. It will live longer than your persecutors. It is mercy from everlasting to contrive your salvation and mercy to everlasting to weather it out with all your adversaries. Now what can hell and death do to him that has this mercy of God upon him? And this has the man that feareth the Lord. Take that other blessed word, and O thou man that fearest the Lord, hang it like a chain of gold about your neck. As the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Psalm 103 verse 11. If mercy is big, as high, and as good as heaven itself will be a privilege, the man that feareth God shall have a privilege. Privilege. Privilege number nine. Dost thou fear God? Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Psalm 103, verse 13. The Lord pitieth them that fear him, that is, condoleth and is affected, feeleth and sympathizeth with them in all their afflictions. It is a great manner for a poor man to be in this manner in the affections of the great and mighty. But for a poor sinner to be thus in the heart and affections of God, and they that fear him are so, this is astonishing to consider. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. In his love and in his pity. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 63, verse 9. I say, in that he is said to pity them, it is as much as to say, he condoleth, feeleth, and sympathizeth with them in all their afflictions and temptations. So that this is the happiness of him that feareth God. He has a God to pity him, and to be touched with all his miseries. It is said in Judges, His soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Judges 10 verse 16. And in the Hebrews, He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and can succor them that are tempted. That's 4, 15 and 2 verses 17 and 18. But further, let us take notice of the comparison. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Here is not only pity, but the pity of a relation, a father. It is said in another place, Can a woman, a mother, forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may, yet will not I forget thee. The pity of neighbors and acquaintance helpeth in times of distress. But the pity of a father and a mother is pity within over and above. 
The Lord, says James, is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Pharaoh called Joseph his tender father, because he provided for him against the famine. But how tender a father is God! How full of bowels! How full of pity! James 5.11, Genesis 41.43 It is said that when Ephraim was afflicted, God's bowels were troubled for him, and turned within him towards him. Oh, that the man that feareth the Lord did but believe the pity and bowels that are in the heart of God and his Father towards him. Jeremiah 31, verses 18 through 20. Privilege number 10. Dost thou fear God? He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Psalm 145, verse 19. Almost all those places that make mention of the men that fear God do insinuate as if they were still under affliction or in danger by reason of an enemy. But I say, here is still their privilege. Their God is their Father and pities them. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. Where now is the man that feareth the Lord? Let him hearken to this. What sayest thou, poor soul? Will this content thee? The Lord will fulfill thy desires. It is intimated of Adonijah that David his father did let him have his head and his will in all things. His father, says the text, had not displeased him at any time in so much as saying, Why hast thou done so? 1 Kings 1 verse 6. But here is more. Here is a promise to grant thee the whole desire of thy heart according to the prayer of holy David. The Lord grant thee according to... Uh, according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. And again, the Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Psalm 20. O thou that fearest the Lord, what is thy desire? All my desire, says David, is all my salvation. 2 Samuel 23, verse 5. So sayest thou, all my salvation is all my desire. Well, the desire of thy soul is granted thee, yea. God himself has engaged himself even to fulfill this, your desire. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Oh, this desire when it comes, what a tree of life will it be to thee? Thou desirest to be rid of thy present trouble. The Lord shall rid thee out of trouble. Thou desirest to be delivered from temptation. The Lord shall deliver thee out of temptation. Thou desirest to be delivered from thy body of death, and the Lord shall change this, thy vile body, that it may be like to his glorious body. Thou desirest to be in the presence of God and among the angels in heaven. This thy desire also shall be fulfilled, and thou shalt be made equal to the angels. Exodus 6, 6, 2 Peter 2, 9, Philippians 3, 20 and 21, Luke 16, 22, and twenty, thirty-five, and thirty-six. Oh, but it is long first. Well, learn first to live upon thy portion in the promise of it, and that will make thy expectation of it sweet. God will fulfill thy desires. God will do it, though it tarry long. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Privilege number eleven. Dost thou fear God? 
The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. Psalm 147 verse 11. They that fear God are among his chief delights. He delights in his son. He delights in his works and takes pleasure in them that fear him. As a man takes pleasure in his wife, in his children, in his gold, in his jewels, so the man that fears the Lord is the object of his delight. He takes pleasure in their prosperity and therefore sends them health from the sanctuary and makes them drink of the river of his pleasures. Psalm 35 verse 27. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Psalm 36, verse 8. That or those that we take pleasure in, that or those we love to beautify and adorn with many ornaments. We count no cost too much to be bestowed on those in whom we place our delight, and whom we make the object of our pleasure. And even thus it is with God. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. And what follows? He will beautify the meek with salvation. Psalm 149, verse 4. Those in whom we delight, we take pleasure in their actions. Yea, we teach them and give them such rules and laws to walk by as may yet make them that we love more pleasurable in our eyes. Therefore, they that fear God, since they are the object of his pleasure, are taught to know how to please him in everything. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. And hence it is said that he is ravished with their looks, that he delighteth in their cry, and that he is pleased with their walking. Song of Solomon 4, verse 9, Proverbs 15, verse 8, and 11, verse 20. Those in whom we delight and take pleasure, many things we will bear and put up that they do though they be not according to our minds. A man will suffer that in and put up that at, the hand of the child or wife of his pleasure, that he will not pass by nor put up in another. They are my jewels, says God, even them that fear me, and I will spare them in all their comings short of my will, even as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Malachi three sixteen and 17. Oh, how happy is the man that feareth God. His good thoughts, his good attempts to serve him, and his good life pleases him, because he feareth God. You know how pleasing in our eyes the actions of our children are, when we know that they do what they do, even of a reverent fear and awe of us. Yea, though that they which they do amounts but to little, we take it well at their hands and are pleased therewith. The woman that cast in her two mites into the treasury cast in not much, for they both did but make one farthing. Yet how does the Lord Jesus trumpet her up? He had pleasure in her and in her action. Mark 12, verses 41 through 44. This, therefore, that the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, is another of their great privileges. Privilege number 12. Dost thou fear God? The least dram of that fear giveth the privilege to be blessed with the biggest saint. He will bless them that fear the Lord, small and great, Psalm 115, verse 13. This word small may be taken three ways. Number one, for those that are small in esteem, 
for those that are but little accounted of. Judges 6.15 and 1 Samuel 18.23 Art thou small or little in this sense? Yet if thou fearest God, thou art sure to be blessed. He will bless them that fear him, small and great. Be thou never so small in the world's eyes, in your own eyes, in the saint's eyes, as sometimes one saint is little in another saint's eye. Yet you, because you fear God, are put among the blessed. Number two. By small, sometimes is meant those that are but small of stature, or young in years, little children that are easily passed by and looked over, as those that sang Hosanna in the temple were, when the Pharisees deridingly said of them to Christ, Hearest thou what these say? Matthew 21, verse 16. Well, but Christ would not despise them of them that feared God, but preferred them by the scripture testimony far before those that did condemn them. Little children, how small whatsoever, and also of never so small esteem with men, shall also, if they fear the Lord, be blessed with the greatest saints. He will bless them that fear him, small and great. Number three, by small may sometimes be meant those that are small in grace or gifts. These are said to be the least in the church, that is, under this consideration and so are by it least esteemed. Matthew 25, verse 45. Thus also is that of Christ to be understood. Inasmuch as ye did it not one to the least of these, ye did it not to me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 4. Art thou in thine own thoughts, or in the thoughts of others, of these last small ones, small in grace, small in gifts, small in esteem upon this account? Yet if thou fearest God, if thou fearest God indeed, thou art certainly blessed with the best of saints. The least star stands as fixed, as the biggest of them all in heaven. He will bless them that fear him, small and great. He will bless them, that is, with the same blessing of eternal life. For the different degrees of grace in saints doth not make the blessing, as to its nature, differ. It is the same heaven, the same life, the same glory, and the same eternity of felicity that they are in the text promised to be blessed with. That is observable, which I mentioned before, where Christ at the day of judgment particularly mentioneth and owneth the least. Inasmuch as he did it not to one of the least. The least then was there in his kingdom and in his glory, as well as the biggest of all. He will bless them that fear him, small and great. The small are named first in the text, and are so first in, ranked, in rank. It may be to show that, though they may be slighted and little set by in the world, yet they are much set by in the eyes of the Lord. Are great saints only to have the kingdom and the glory everlasting? Are great works only to be rewarded? Works that are done by virtue of great grace and the abundance of the gifts of the Holy Ghost? No. Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his, a disciple's, reward. Mark, here is but a little gift, a cup of cold water, and that given to a little saint, but both taken special notice of 
by our Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 10, verse 42. He will give reward to his servants, the prophets, and to his saints, and to them that fear his name, small and great. Revelation 11, verse 18. The small, therefore, among them that fear God are blessed with the great, as the great, with the same salvation, the same glory, and the same eternal life. And they shall have, even as the great ones also shall, as much as they can carry, as much as their hearts, souls, bodies, and capacities can hold. Privilege number 13. Dost thou fear God? Why the Holy Ghost has on purpose indicted for thee a whole psalm to sing concerning thyself, so that thou mayest, even as thou art in thy bed, uh, so that thou mayest, even as thou art in thy calling, bed, journey, or whenever, sing out thine own blessed and happy condition to thine own comfort and the comfort of thy fellows. The psalm is called the 128th psalm. I will set it before thee, both as it is in the reading and in the singing psalms. Blessed is every one that fear the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel, as it is sung. Blessed art thou that fearest God, and walkest in his way. For of thy labor thou shalt eat. Happy art thou, I'll say. Like fruitful vines on thy house side, so doth thy wife spring out. Thy children stand like olive plants, thy table round about. Thus art thou blessed, that fearest God, and ye shall let thee see the promised Jerusalem and her felicity. Thou shalt thy children's children see to thy great joys increase, and likewise grace on Israel, prosperity and peace. And now I have done with the privileges when I have removed one objection. Objection. But the scripture says, perfect love casteth out fear. And therefore, it seems that saints, after a spirit of adoption has come, should not fear, but do their duty, as another scripture saith, without it. 1 John 4, 18, Luke 1, 74 and 75. Answer. Fear, as I have showed you, may be taken several ways. Number one, it may be taken for the fear of devils. Number two, it may be taken for the fear of reprobates. Number three, it may be taken for the fear that is wrought in the godly by the spirit as a spirit of bondage. Or, number four, it may be taken for the fear that I have been but now discoursing of. Now the fear of that perfect love casts out cannot be that sun-like gracious fear of God that I have in this last place been treating of, because that fear that love casts out 
hath torment, but so has not the sun-like fear. Therefore the fear that love casts out is either that fear that is like the fear of devils and reprobates, or that fear that is begot in the heart by the Spirit of God as a spirit of bondage, or both. For indeed, all these kinds of fear have torment, and therefore may be cast out, and are so by the spirit of adoption, which is called the spirit of faith and love, when he comes with power into the soul, so that without this fear we should serve him. But to argue from these texts that we ought not to fear God, or to mix fear with our worship of him, is as much as to say that by the spirit of adoption we are made very rogues, for not to fear God is by the scripture applied to such. Luke 23 verse 40. But for what I have affirmed, the scripture doth plentifully confirm, saying, Happy is the man that feareth always. And again, it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. Fear, therefore, is the spirit of the fear of the Lord, is a grace that greatly beautifies a Christian, his words, and all his ways. Wherefore, now that the fear of the Lord be upon you, take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Second Chronicles 19, verse 7. The Use of This Doctrine Having proceeded thus far about this doctrine of the fear of God, I now come to make some use and application of the whole, and my first use, or use first of examination. First use shall be use of examination. Is this fear of God such an excellent thing? Is it attended with so many blessed privileges? Then this should be then this should put us, every soul of us, upon a diligent examination of ourselves, to wit, whether this grace be in us or not. For if it be, then thou art one of these blessed ones to whom belong these glorious privileges, for thou hast an interest in every one of them. But if it shall appear that this grace is not in thee, then thy state is fearfully miserable, as hath partly been manifested already, and will further be seen in what comes after. Now, the better to help thee to consider, and not to miss in finding out what thou art in thy self-examination, I will speak to this, first, in general, second, in particular. First, in general. No man brings this grace into the world with him. Everyone by nature is destitute of it. For naturally, none fear God. There is no fear of God, none of this grace of fear before their eyes. They do not so much as know what it is. For this fear flows, as was showed before, from a new heart, faith, repentance, and the like. Of which new heart, faith, and repentance, if thou be void, thou art also void of this godly fear. Men must have a mighty change of heart and life, or else as they are strangers to this fear of God. Alas, how ignorant are the most of this! Yea, and some are not afraid to say that they are not changed, nor desire so to be. Can these fear God? Can these be possessed with the grace of fear? No, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Psalm 55, verse 19, Psalm 36, verse 1, Romans 3, verse 18. Wherefore, sinner, consider whoever thou art that art destitute of the Spirit of God. Thou art void of all other graces, 
For this fear, as also I have showed, floweth from the whole stock of grace where it is. There is not one of the graces of the Spirit, but this fear is in the bowels of it. Yea, as I may say, this fear is the flower and beauty of every grace. Neither is there anything, let it look as much like grace as it will, that will be counted so indeed, if the fruit thereof be not the Spirit of God. Wherefore, I say again, consider well of this matter, for as thou shalt be found with reverence to this grace, so shall thy judgment be. I have but briefly treated of this grace, yet have endeavored with words as fit as I could to display it in its colors before thy face, first by showing you what the Spirit of God is, then what it flows from, as also what doth flow from it, to which, as was said before, I have added several privileges that are annexed to this fear, that by all, if it may be, thou mayest see it, if thou hast it, and thyself without it, if thou hast it not. Wherefore I refer thee thither again for information in this thing, or if thou art loath to give the book a second reading, but will go on to the end now, thou art gotten hither. Then, second and particularly, I conclude with these several propositions concerning those that fear not God. Number one, that man that is proud and of a high and lofty mind fears not God. This is plain from the exhortation, Be not high-minded, but fear, Romans 11.20. Here you see that a high mind and the fear of God are set in direct opposition, the one to the other. And there is in them, closely concluded by the, by the apostle, that where indeed the one is, there cannot be the other. Where there is a high mind, there is not the fear of God. And where there is the fear of God, the mind is not high, but lowly. Can a man at the same time be a proud man and fear God too? Why then is it said that God beholdeth every one that is proud, and abases him? And again, he beholds the proud of afar off. He therefore that is proud of his person, of his riches, of his office, of his parts, and the like, feareth not God. It is also manifest further, for God resisteth the proud, which he would not do, if he feared him, but in that he sets him at such a distance from him, in that he testifies that he will abase him and resist him, it is evident that he is not the man that hath his grace of fear, for that man, as I have showed you, is the man of God's delight, the object of his pleasure. Psalm 138, verse 6, James 4, verse 6, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Malachi 4, verse 1. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, 
MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books MP3s and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.